The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by Woo More Play. All right, you guys. So you've tried the coconut oil lube. Side note, if you haven't, you're missing out on the best sex of your life. Uh, But you have not probably tried the freshies. So here's the deal. Woo just came out with some freshies. And what these are is they're these little individual packets of wipes. They're coconut oil infused wipes. They have a little bit of cranberry extract too, which is very efficient if you're like me and get UTIs. And you just carry them in your handbag and you can use them to wipe. You could use them pre-sex, post-sex, not for sex. I mean, shit, I was using them in Saint-Tropez to wipe underneath my armpits because it was really fucking hot there. These are ideal for carrying in your handbag and will just clean up a mess in a very natural way, if you know what I mean. So all you have to do is head to woomoreplay.com and use code HIMANDHER for checkout. And if you haven't tried the lube, also pick that up too. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning space offering more than 20,000 courses. I'm currently using the platform to learn a bunch of different skills that we have talked about many times on this show. This is a tool for brands and individuals to acquire new skills or take novice skills to an expert level. Think of it as the Netflix for learning skills online. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Skinny Confidential him and her listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash TSC. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha. The concept was, listen, if we're going to tell you you need fewer, better beauty essentials, let's start with one thing. Let's have everyone talking about one thing. Let's show you how you can save time and show you how you can save space and show you how we can create a multitasker that will replace five things in your beauty bag. That clip was from our guest of the show today, Divya Gugnani. On this episode, we're talking all things entrepreneurship, business, branding, beauty, and how to create a prominent beauty brand. Lauren, Welcome back to the show. Hi, I am feeling so jazzed because I have been dry brushing every morning and every night and it is so life changing. And Michael, if you're not going to tell the audience the truth about how you've been dry brushing, I'm going to call you out. I've been doing it. I've been uh, having you do it. Uh, I don't think I'm doing it right, though. I don't know the direction to do it. And I don't know the benefit of doing it. Okay, so I've done a blog post on this before. You can search on the Skinny Confidential dry brushing, but I want to like really bring this back. So recently I went to an Ayurvedic doctor and she's this amazing woman. I actually found her through Kourtney Kardashian. She's in Santa Monica. I'll have to leave her name and stuff in the show notes. She told me that it's so important that the first thing you do when your feet hit the ground in the morning is scrape your tongue, which Taylor, when's the last time you scraped your tongue? Yikes, Taylor said never. (laughs) Things Uh, probably looking like an old rug. Okay, okay. So you scrape your tongue in the morning and then you dry brush. And she gave me a dry brush that she likes. It's a really aggressive one. And what you do is you swipe or you brush up if you're under your heart and you brush down if you're above your heart. And now I've got Michael addicted. It really gives you energy. I feel a little, you know, I, you know, like when you look at those horses getting brushed in the stable, that's kind of what I feel like when you're doing it. So I don't know. It feels good, but I don't know. I'm not yet sold. I don't know what it's doing for me, but I feel, but 
It feels good. Okay, so Laird Hamilton was recently on Joe Rogan, and he said that what he does is he constantly is observing his dogs in the morning. And so I'm, I've am i been watching my dog's mannerisms, and what's the first thing the dogs do in the morning? They stretch. So I've been trying to stretch in the morning. And another thing that they do is if you dry brush in front of your dog, this is a true story, they will look at you like they want to be brushed too because they want their lymphatic system on fleek. That. Uh, part of that sounds good, but I've also observed those dogs in the morning and one of them eats his own shit. And so oh I don't know if that's a, it's a behavior that I, that I'm going to be able to get behind, but okay. Stretching that, that makes sense. Okay. So when you wake up in the morning tomorrow, stretch like a dog, like Laird Hamilton says to do scrape your tongue, Taylor, please, I'm getting you five for Christmas and then dry brush. And I'm telling you the energy is out of control, but the tip for dry brushing is you can't forget your ankles. There's something about the ankles that wakes you up. I know that sounds crazy. I've gotten really good at dog doggy style. What? Yeah. What's doggy style? Um, you know what doggy style is. We're, Wait, we're, you we're, mean like sex or like, yeah, dry, are, are you dry brushing? Well, you gotta, sex? you gotta keep up with me here today. Okay, you gotta have that coffee. Keep okay, going. Okay. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. We're This is going into a weird tangent. Anyways. Yes. Dry brushing is great. We love it now. I guess mm-hmm. I feel like a horse. So Taylor's birthday was recently. It was a couple days ago. And Taylor, I just want to say on air that I am gifting you with a copper tongue cleaner. Happy birthday. And happy birthday to the Bare Naked Cucumber. You've added joy and interesting moments of this show for Eclectic. years. Eclectic. Eccentric. <laughs> and your mic's not on, goddammit. <laughs> again, again, your mic's not on. Everybody, there's no surprise. Like, I mean, we've only done this 200 times, your uh, mic's not on. Another <laughs> oh, now you're, now you're back. And here's to a thousand more. Or wait, no, how, how many episodes are at? 200? Here's to another 200. Whatever, how many come out in a year, we'll see. What did you... What You're did the you... goddamn producer of the show. Don't you think you should know this? Yeah, but numerically, I, I never look. What did you do for your birthday? I had dinner with family. Didn't do a whole lot. That sounds creepy. That's a lie. No, I like to relax. I'm still recu- recuper- uh, Sorry, I'm still recuperating from... <laughs> Leave that in. Don't edit that out. Don't edit yourself. Yeah, I'm still recuperating from two years ago in Vegas when it was on my birthday later. So you summer. go from sleeping on the street in Las Vegas to dinner with family. Yeah, and it's it's like the yin and the yang. Okay. Guys, we got an exciting show today. We do have an exciting show. Divya Gugnani is a serial entrepreneur and mom of two. She is also the co-founder of Wander Beauty, which is one of my favorite foundations at the moment. Her and her partner decided to streamline makeup routines everywhere and downsize their makeup bags by creating multitasking beauty essentials with luxurious ingredients inspired by their travels all over the globe. She is smart. She is badass. She's a mom of two. Like I said, welcome to the show, Divya. Let's pause for a second, talk about some overachievers. After 200, more than 200 interviews with some of the world's top performers, overachievers, there's one thing that Lauren and I know they all have in common, and that is that they are constantly acquiring new skills, constantly adding to their arsenal of impact and value that they can bring into the world. That's why we love one of our favorite sponsors, Skillshare. Skillshare, I love Skillshare. Love some skills. So a lot of people will DM me and tell me that they don't have time. I call bullshit on that, okay? When I was bartending and teaching Pure Bar and Pilates and going to school full-time, I still made time two hours a night, even if I was up until two in the morning to learn how to blog. With Skillshare, though, everything is so much more efficient than it was 10 years ago. You can make time. Even if you carve out and time batch 20 minutes a day on working on those skills on Skillshare, you know you're bettering yourself. So what I would recommend is if you are into graphic design or you want to learn how to make videos or you want to learn how to be a blogger is take those 15 to 20 minutes a day and sharpen up your skills on Skillshare. 
Guys, this podcast itself is a testament to adding new skills. Both Lauren and I had zero background in broadcasting, zero background in audio, had no idea how to produce a podcast. But with platforms like Skillshare, you can learn how to do all these things. And guess what? Now you're listening to this show so you can measure some real impact. So what is Skillshare? Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial skills. You can take class in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. Marketing, accounting, whatever you need to do. Guys, they have something for you. Top by people like you and me. And I really feel like my goal with Skillshare that there's no excuses now. You know what I mean? There's no excuse. I mean, if you find yourself scrolling through social media, you could really be perfecting your skills. Become a practitioner of whatever you love to do. Yes. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Skinny Confidential listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash TSC. Add to that arsenal, become a master of new skills and improve your life. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right, give us a little bit of a background where you grew up, what your childhood was like. Take us back. Back, all the way to Springfield, Illinois. Yes, all so the way to Springfield, I'm Illinois. from Springfield, Illinois. My dad actually used to work for the government there. And then my dad got laid off. And it was a really sad story. He Government changed. And he didn't have a job and any normal person would be looking for a job. My dad decides to drive to Florida in his Chevy Impala. And he's like, I'll just get a job in a few months. (laughs) He's like, let's go have a vacation. My mom was like having a panic attack. They just had my sister who's older than me. So my parents lived in Springfield, Illinois. My mom didn't work. She was a stay-at-home mom. My dad lost his job and then he started his own business. And so- What was his government job? He was an engineer and he- studied mechanical and industrial engineering. And he's can't set an alarm clock. So I really don't know how he got those degrees. I'm still trying to figure that one out. He started importing tie-dye shirts into Springfield, Illinois, and then semi-precious jewelry, silver jewelry, a lot of stuff for like, I don't know, that whole generation, 70s type situation. And then my parents moved to New York and I lived here most of my life. I grew up in Long Island and then I went to undergrad at Cornell, worked in investment banking, Goldman Sachs, got into the whole career thing, went back to Boston for my master's. And I cannot seem to leave New York City, even though I tried desperately every single year. I sit my husband down. I'm like, can't we just like move to Europe? Move to Miami. What's, what's wrong with New York? What do you want I you love, to do? I love New York. I just feel like I'm like an adventurer and I like change. And I also feel like my kids have grown up here and they only know Manhattan. And I want them to be global citizens and I want them to actually see more of the world than just Manhattan. And so, yes, they travel a lot, but I think growing up in different environments is really beneficial to your whole world outlook and like it widens your horizons. And so I feel like let's just take an adventure and move somewhere. My husband like literally has not left our apartment building building since 1993. So oh. he's been living there since 1993 in the same building. We've now amassed a collection of homes in this one building and moved around within the building. When That's you describe me. that, I feel like he's up there like in a robe with a bunch of old leather books, just like dusting the, the shelves. But he, You know, men are creatures of habit in general, my personal experience, but he in particular, even like moving a block or moving like 
in Manhattan itself, it was like too much change for him. He's like, but it doesn't have a circular driveway, but it doesn't have a pool, but it doesn't have a balcony. I'm like, you're afraid of heights. You don't swim. And like, how often do you drive? Like, so so why? Why? Take me back to Goldman Sachs. Yes. You're in the beauty industry now. Yes. So this is like so different. So I'm a dork. Let's start with that. Okay. <laughs> Big fat L. Love a dork. Love numbers. Love math. I'm super quantitative. Like that's always been my strength. I studied government and economics at Cornell. And when I got out, I was going to go to law school, like a lot of my other friends graduating Cornell, normal thing to do. But I was dating a guy and he had internship in investment banking. And then he moved to New York City and he worked for an investment bank. And I saw this like glamorous life of like, you go to all these meetings, you fly on private jets, you like meet all these CEOs and like you're working all the time and you're entertaining all the time. And, and I was like, I kind of want to try this. Why do I think of this like <laughs> like um, the Wall Street movie with you? Leonardo- should be thinking of strip clubs. That's what, what should be coming Is to your mind a, right like now. Is a lot of cocaine and alcohol and all, all this? Of, all of the, the above. Wolf of Wall Street for this? Yeah. It's just like all of the above. And this is also like the 90s. Okay. So I graduated in 1998 and I am at Goldman Sachs, a young, impressionable human. And obviously it's heavily male. And I learn a lot. And I think it was the most amazing place that I have ever worked in my career, other than like the companies I've created and now they've been four of them. When you see so, you learned a lot, like what are some of those takeaways that you got in that industry? Biggest takeaway just from the culture is culture is so important in any organization. Like why do people go the extra mile? It's because they love what they do and they love the environment they're in. One of the things they always told us at Goldman Sachs is there's no I in Goldman Sachs. And that's something that always like struck with me and resonated throughout everything I've done later in my career is this concept of like, we're only as good as the team is and focusing on like interdependency and teamwork. Like the smartest of the smart people worked there. I learned a lot from them, but I learned most importantly that we could only do it together. We just started talking about this recently on the show where like there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that are that are listening. Maybe they've worked on the, by themselves for a long time and then they start to bring on some, some people to the team. And it's like they take this attitude. It's like you're lucky to be working on this team. And I'll say you got to flip that and, and flip it the other way and say that you're lucky to have somebody working on your team and, and that you, you're working with. Yeah. And you as an entrepreneur have to always make a checklist of like, I'm good at X. I'm really bad at Y. Self-discovery is important in anything you do in your life, in a relationship with your husband, you know, in my case of my relationship with my kids, my, my in-laws, my parents, my sister, my friends, everything is about like, you have to know who you are in order to be a better person. So you have to recognize your strengths, recognize your weaknesses. And what is so amazing about being an entrepreneur is you make that checklist and then you say, okay, who am I going to bring on this team? That's going to make the pie bigger and create a bigger opportunity for the business. And they are going to bring in skills that I don't have. And they're going to do something distinctly better than I would do it. What are some things that you've done for self-discovery? Is there any tips or tricks? I know like in the morning, I study stoicism 15 minutes a day or meditation has been really helpful. You know, I do this thing called the morning pages where I write three pages every morning. Is there anything that you have that has really helped with self-discovery? And you do goal setting too. I do goal. I just try to do um, strategic <laughs> your, your, future your by design. Thing. Yeah, my seven things. Here's my seven Ivy things. Lee method. I know, Ivy Lee method. And so I have been meditating since seventh grade. Wow. Um, I, as you can imagine, I don't drink tea. I don't drink coffee. I'm super high energy. I work a million hours. (laughs) It's really insane. And I just was always like on all the time. And my mom was just like, it was hard for my parents, I think, to have me on all the time and asking 1 million questions, which is also my personality because I just want to learn everything around me. And so she 
took me to a clinic to, to learn meditation, family friends slash uncles, Deepak Chopra. And so we went to his um, clinic and I learned meditation in seventh grade. And so I've been meditating 20 minutes morning and evening every day since seventh grade. Well, hold on. When I first met you at DBA, like you're such a go-getter, you're such an entrepreneur and that's really nutty. And you live in New York too. It's like, so I you meditate for 40 minutes a day, every day. And I cannot live without it. And then I may not sleep. Like I've pulled all nighters and I have not slept all night, but I have to meditate because my mind needs that rest. And like, when you say about self-reflection, it's those 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the evening where I can kind of take a step back from like where I'm going what I need to be doing, like not a to-do list, not stressing myself out. Like I have to get these things done, but more about like, where am I in life? What am I doing well? What am I doing not well? Like, did I say something that hurt someone today? And like, that's my time to reflect on all of that. And by the way, that happens all the time. I'm like, was I really shitty to my kids today? <laughs> I like, have to ask myself that it's question because you just, you're running from one thing to the other and trying to run a business and trying to have a family and try and, you know, be a spouse and like be a decent one at that. And so I just feel like inadvertently because you're going, 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 you're going so quickly that you're not taking taking stock of how you're behaving and how you're interacting with others. Do you use headspace to meditate or do you just sit there for 20 minutes and close your eyes? I always sit upright because my meditation teacher and coach believes that when you lay down like you're like, it's a whole different thing. No, I'm so like, like fucking laying down and sleeping. I, I, think, I didn't know if you were meditating today, I, if you were I asleep. Was, uh, I was like, I was like half meditating, <laughs> half, half sleeping. sleeping. Yeah. So I sit up always because he says that. And so I keep my spine straight. I keep two pillows behind my back. I hold my hands together and clasp them together. And then I actually feel a lot of energy in my hand. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like Ricky and like, you know, there's a lot of healing energy in your hands. Like over time, you develop the skill. People develop the skill to like levitate while meditating. I mean, this is all like crazy Indian stuff that I'm I sharing wasn't with levitating you, today. I was definitely like half sleeping. Well, listen, I think like the, biggest, the biggest thing is that so, so many people, whether they're like, it doesn't have to be an entrepreneur, anybody that's just going through life, right? They're going through yeah. trauma or they're just going through tough times. Like they get stuck in the whirlwind of all of that stuff and they don't take a step back and be like, wait a minute, am I part of the problem? Is there something I need to analyze? Is there something, is there something that I'm doing as a repetitive pattern that's causing all these things? But the majority of people don't want to take the time to be alone with their thoughts and then they can't figure out why things aren't going right for them. So I think it's really important whether you're meditating or just taking time to reflect in general, you have to set that time to do that. And I think the highest achievers are always doing that, which is probably why they're achieving so much. So you can't be good at everything, right? You have to just pick and choose what you're going to focus on and try and do it best. But while you're doing that, you have to also be like, how can I get better? I'm always asking myself, like, how can I get better? What could I do better as a person, as a mother, as like a person who lives on this planet and is like sharing this earth with everyone else. Like, how can I be better? Those are my favorite kinds of people because you're <laughs> constantly trying to be the best version of yourself. And it is a work in progress. I mean, I don't think you even get to the end of your life and say, I'm a whole person. Like for me, like I always want to be better. So I get that. It's nice. I go inward and I'm like, you know what? I am a really goddamn good husband. <laughs> Right. Let Lauren answer that. This weekend, I would give you an 8.5. I feel that 8. there's... 8.5, that's pretty good. I, I thought I was going to be down in the I feel that there's still a 1.5 <laughs> that you can work on. Listen, I'll take anything over a four. I'm today, good. the way you woke me up was a solid negative 800. <laughs> I've never been woken up like that today. I, that's a no for me. When I come here... <laughs> 
I get a bunch of energy from the city. So I'm just like super turbo. And I'm the opposite. First, I swear to God, and I was going to ask you about this off air, but I might as well just ask on air. And Why, that's everything else there is total to ask. Total tangent. But there's something about the weather here that makes me feel lethargic as opposed to LA. Like I get so much energy from the weather in LA. I'm up every morning at seven. And then I come here and I'm just tired in the morning. I feel exactly the same way. We go down to Miami about once a month or so. And I tell my husband that the sunshine like makes me accomplish more. And he's like, you're crazy. And I was like, no, it's sunny. And therefore my mind is so like rosy and happy. And I have to get up and like experience the day. And when it's gray, I'm just like, oh, I just don't even like want to do anything. There's something I looked into this because I felt so depressed in London. There's something about your retinas that's stimulated by the sun. We got to understand. This is a fact. We're not, yeah. we're, human There's beings, ions. We're circadian not, rhythms the ions. related we're, to We weren't weather. designed to live on top of each other like this and be stacked, right? So like you're, you're, you're in constant fight or flight when you're in New York because there's things around. You may not sense it, but it's true. Like I sense it. You, no, no, no. I sense it. Don't you see all the people rushing to yoga? a class and knocking you over while they're trying to get their calm on. I sense it. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. You see this in all large cities, but like we human beings have not evolved to, to live on top of each other like this. It's not, we weren't designed to do yeah, this. I wasn't designed to live with you breathing down my throat the second <laughs> I wake up and not getting me coffee. Like we've discussed 500 times. Listen, I was in a foreign area. I didn't know where okay, I was. All right, whatever. Figure it out. Okay. So, <laughs> so you leave Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. and then how does the idea of Wander Beauty come? Like walk us through that specifically where you saw space. What was your why? Like really where your headspace was at when I want to like get to the nitty gritty too, not just the good parts, like yeah. tell us the struggle. So I had a career in finance, investment banking, private equity, venture capital. I got exposed to entrepreneurs from the very first day I graduated college because I was working at Goldman Sachs with, you know, very established, smart entrepreneurs on their financial advisory stuff. Then I went back to the earlier stages when I went from private equity venture capital. So imagine like two people in a garage starting a company. I'm incubating that idea with them, iterating through all that stuff. So I had always been around entrepreneurs and I actually was like vehemently allergic to it. I was like, I really think that's really cool for you. But me personally, I want to like have what a house. element of it? Like what? I just, the risk was so intense. I yep. saw people like lose everything 20 times over. My dad as an entrepreneur was like such a big risk taker, like, you know, and took risks across the board, like personal, professional, like, you know, and also like to gamble, which was sidebar. But so I think that I was so risk averse at that time in my career that I was just like, I just want to have a job that has a paycheck where I know I can like live and like be happy. Stability. stability. I, I, I did not have stability growing up. So I just feel like I craved stability. And then I literally morphed into my father. Like, it's just like fast forward to, I think I'm going to be the stable person, have the stable job. And then you get this itch. So essentially I fell into entrepreneurship in a very weird way. I was dating a guy and he had a huge passion for auto parts. He like loved cars and he was just kind of like not really doing anything. So I was like, okay, I'm working in finance. I have this career. I just like bought an apartment. I was like paying my mortgage. I was adulting hard. Okay. And I'm like, it's time for you to adult. (laughs) So why don't we find something for you to do? So we launched this auto parts website at my apartment on 36th street, which I still have rented to a really nice couple that is getting married soon. And we launched this thing and I'm working on it nights and weekends. And it grows into be like a multi-million dollar business, which is super exciting for me. Like everyone should have such an incredible experience of like you start something once it freaking works out, everything goes right and up and it all, it was amazing. My next company was exactly the opposite. It was didn't grow that quickly, didn't grow that fast, didn't get to those heights. And 
it was doing okay. It was in the culinary space. And I really enjoyed it. I had so much passion for the industry because I was hosting this show called Behind the Burner. I loved it. And then it just like, it wasn't scaling. And so I was like, okay, it's time to acknowledge that this is not going to be like how I leave my imprint on entrepreneurial society in New York. And now let's like pivot. So I pivot. I start this company, Send the Trend, which by the way, was in this very space where we're recording the podcast. And I launched it in 2010. I raised venture financing for it. And 11 months later, I sell it to QVC. You know what I want to talk to you about before we yeah. go further? Well, I don't think we've, we've addressed this, but I think you're a perfect person to ask. So there's a lot of people that have an idea, good idea. When someone's going and looking for funds, they don't have a ton of experience and they're starting out. What is the best way to start? Say they don't have a rich uncle or brother or cousin or whoever to give them the money and they can't get a loan. Like, where do you suggest people start? The best thing to do is to like, I hate it to be crass, but it's like, are the dogs eating the dog food? Like have some proof of concept. You have to be able to like beg, borrow and steal and like use your own resources to create some validity for your concept. Mm -hmm. So like you have to have like a hundred people you surveyed who said that this would solve a pain point in their life or do a, build a prototype. It may not be the prettiest thing that you're going to commercialize, but it has to have some sort of viable product knowledge. I think Coming from the funding world and having been an angel investor, I've invested in over 60 companies in the last 19 years. I really have seen so many entrepreneurs. And what I can tell you is that it used to be that you'd write a check to someone who had an idea. And now it's like you write a check to someone who's actually proved their idea. Yep. So the bar has gotten a lot higher. There's so many more entrepreneurs. There's so many more ideas flooding out there. There's so much copying and iterating on other people's ideas. So what I think is so interesting is that you have to show some traction, whatever that level of traction, the further you get along on your own dime and ask for funding, the more successful you'll be. And I have been through every facet of funding from angel funding to institutional money to small round, big round. I've kind of seen and done it all. Let's even get more granular. So I also think that if you're somebody who's an extreme creative, then yeah. maybe when you're founding a company, you should think about somebody who's more operational. What did I say about like taking stock of who you are? Yeah. It's all about like, I'm good at this. So let me bring a partner on or let me bring another person on first employee, first hire, first advisor. If you can't afford to hire them, it's someone who's a mentor to you. Like bring people on who complement your skill set, who literally can create a bigger opportunity for you. Before we get into specifics on that, I'm going to talk to you about where I get my household supplies. So when I say household supplies, I'm talking laundry detergent, dishwasher soap, a uh, little spray for the kitchen to make it all shiny. I was using like stuff that was just not good for you. And I wanted to find one spot that I could keep it clean and healthy. So I heard about Grove Collaborative probably a year ago and instantly became addicted. So basically what Grove Collaborative is, is it's an online marketplace that delivers all your natural home beauty and personal care to your door. Now, if you've followed me for a long time, you know I love stuff delivered to my door. You know what I love even more, though? That it's clean and healthy. So I don't have to worry about having all these nasty rat chemicals in my house. You know, I have little dogs that are really close to the floor. I don't want anything being cleaned that can harm them. And then I just want, like, if, if I can optimize and hack my life to be as clean and natural as possible in an efficient way, I'm all about it. So they have tons of brands that you guys are probably familiar with from everything to 7th Generation to Burt's Bees. They even have their own best-selling Grove-made products. So they have, like, 
tree-free paper towels and grove detergent dispensers and even 100% recycled plastic trash bags. Very much about, too, that when you get your first Grove order, they set you up with this free 60-day VIP trial, and this includes customizable refill orders so you'll never run out of products. I love this. And then you can also easily delay, edit, or cancel a shipment at any time. So you can get rid of all your products that are full of harmful chemicals that have been linked from everything to respiratory problems to cancers and just clean up your home, you know? All right, so let's get the hookup. For a limited time, when TSC listeners go to grove.co slash skinny and place an order of $20 or more, you will get a free five-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Myers and Grove. This is a $30 value, guys. So you go to grove.co slash skinny to get this exclusive offer grove.co slash skinny and you're going to get a free five-piece cleaning set from miss myers and grove you'll love it there's a lot of young people that talk to me and they come and they say well i don't want to give up a percentage of my my business my idea and i'm like listen 100 percent of zero is zero so you got to be a little bit more realistic but also like they get in these things where they say okay well if i can't raise the money i can't do it, then the idea just doesn't work so like, you got to get a little bit more resourceful you got to build the team initially like that team is going to go a long way with funding as well makes all the difference. And so literally Lauren was asking me how I came up with the idea for Wanda Beauty. I was working in this office building. I take the F train from work from my apartment building that I've lived in forever. <laughs> and I would get on the subway in the morning and I had two kids within two years of each other. Don't recommend it very hard. But anyway, I would put on concealer every morning because I have like genetically bad dark eye circles. And thanks to my dad who looks like a bulldog. And then the reality is like, I would put on my under eye concealer on the train and then I would look around and like someone's doing their hair, someone's doing their makeup, someone's like putting on their SPF, someone's putting on their skincare. So there's so much beauty happening beyond the bathroom. And when I was here and working with QVC, we had a huge beauty business and there's so many brands and I'd learned so much about beauty. I'd always loved beauty. Such a personal like confidence builder for me being like, a dorky, awkward kid. And so I always loved beauty. I used to do makeup at my sorority at Cornell and like do it for people's formals and do it for myself. It was always something that like made me feel so amazing. And so when I think about this, I was like, why is there no brand speaking to me? I'm now a career mom, like running back and forth from the office, dealing with my children. Like I need to do more with less. I care about my skin so much. I had been through this journey of having autoimmune disease. I'd also gone through two high-risk pregnancies, really tough, both of them for their own reasons. Your skin is your largest organ, okay? So when you're thinking about consuming toxins, like the impact is immense. And so when I had spent some time learning about this, I realized that I wanted to have everything clean in my life. I'm not like big on the organics, natural, like my mom's that country canola human. Like she can have that all to herself. It's great. Like she makes everything in the kitchen that goes on her face. Like I get that purist mentality, but for me, I need things to perform. If I'm like you and I'm getting up in the morning and I'm getting ready and I'm going to like work a full day. I'm going to go home. I'm going to see my kids for dinner. Then I'm going to go out for a work dinner. Then I'm going to, you know, work until one o'clock in the morning. Like I need performance and I need to feel and look as confident as I possibly can. And so when I was thinking about Wander Beauty, it was this idea of no one is speaking to me as someone who's in motion constantly. I need beauty in motion. There's no beauty in motion brand. So Lindsay and I concepted the idea of Wander Beauty to really focus on just this segment. We wanted to be something to someone, not everything to everyone. We're like, we want to go after women who are time starved, 
on the move, and they're more busy and active than ever before. The modern woman today is literally moving around and in motion more than ever, ever before. Let's give her fewer, better beauty essentials. Let's make her life easier, save her time, save her space, give her things that are high performance. Well, that's what you're saving. You're saving time, which is a huge component. Huge. Tell us about Lindsay to your partner. Just give us some background because she's a model, right? Yes. She's been modeling for so many years and she's had the pleasure of working with so many incredible fashion designers, doing runway, doing print. And Lindsay and I met at a party. So I just had a baby and I was like, told my husband, I was like, I need a glass of champagne. See you in two hours. So I like literally ran over to the Lowe's Regency. A friend of ours was doing a big uh, celebrity hairdresser was doing a big opening. And I meet her at the party and I was like, I love beauty. You love beauty. I love travel. You love travel. I've been thinking about this whole concept of like your planes and trains and automobiles as a like working model. I am like, on the go 24 seven as like someone who loves to travel and also has two kids and works like a maniac. So we're not being spoken to on the beauty market. Like, are we alone? Or are there people with us? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, why don't you come over and have lunch at my house? I was nursing at the time. So she's like, came over my like babies in the bassinet. And I'm like, I'm thinking about all this stuff. Like, why don't we survey hundred women and like, see if this is a thing. And I'm like, I'm thinking about starting something in this area. Like, would you be interested? And she like thought I was fully crazy. She's like, I met you like three seconds ago. You're nuts. But I just told her, I'm like, she's such a creative soul. Like Lindsay's a creator. She's incredibly talented photographer, visual artist. She's very knowledgeable about product. Sitting in the makeup chair for the amount of hours that she has sat in that chair is something very powerful. That knowledge that she had was very different than my knowledge, which was working with formulators, working with beauty brands. Like I was so commercially immersed in the beauty industry while I was at QVC. And she was so in a different way immersed in the beauty industry. So I said, just take stock. I'm a technologist. I'm an operator. This would be my fourth company. She's a creative. I was like her world, my world together. Exactly we can we be better talking about together. We can be better. And I convinced her. I literally twisted her arm to start this company with me. I'm like, we became friends. And I was like, I think I want to do this thing. And she's like, you're crazy. I met you three seconds ago, but like you have a good track record and I've checked you out and like, let's try and like, let's see what happens. And she took a risk. So what's the first product you launched with and how did you go about that? And can you walk us through how long it took from the idea to actually in customers' hands? Yes. So I met her at a party. My daughter was born on May 4th, 2014. I met Lindsay two or three weeks after my daughter was born. So it was like, you know, end of May. And then we actually launched Wander Beauty in May, 2015. So I had been thinking about it a lot and I had done a lot of research. And so a lot of the legwork was kind of out there, but we had not thought about a product at all. We didn't have a name. We didn't have a logo. So we created all of that launched the brand and formulated the product within a year, which was hard. We worked a million hours a week to make that happen. We pulled in a big relationship from a vendor who created the beauty product for us, who I knew through my days of, you know, doing this before. And they expedited the whole timeline. And, you know, we created the On the Glow Blush and Illuminator. And the concept was, listen, if we're going to tell you, you need fewer, better beauty essentials, let's start with one thing. Let's have everyone talking about one thing. Let's show you how you can save time and show you how you can save space and show you how we can create a multitasker that will replace five things in your beauty bag. So this product was a lip and cheek formula on one side. So you didn't need lipstick. You don't need blush. We've given it to you in this one product. And then a nude glow illuminator, which you could use as highlighter, eyeshadow, add a little dimension to your lip, decollete, legs, arms, body, face. Like we created a video to show how you could use this one hero multitasker, like 20 different ways 
And that's literally how we sold the product. That is wild. We're like, and well, so a lot of people, people think they got to go in with so many different products and they point. think they have to have 50 SKUs. They don't I, have to dis- do that. I vehemently disagree. I always say do few things and do them well and like be something to someone, not everything to everyone. Like if we're going to go after this time starved woman, she didn't have time to choose through 20 different products. She wants you to tell her what is the one thing that she needs that is going to save her time, save her space, be clean, be good for her and make her feel more beautiful and confident. And we gave all of that in one product. I feel like, like a lot of companies start to fuck that up, right? Because they start to go 100%. and they're like, oh, we got to, a lot of times it's because pressure investors, they're like, oh, we got to expand the SKUs. We got to expand the product. Line. I'm but then big, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I'm a big believer in brand. And I believe that if you authentically create a brand and your brand is something that's so authentic to you, Thank you. and your life, and it's so apparent, like I believe in brand. This was a pain point in our lives. We created a brand, an experience, a community, multitaskers all around this brand. We didn't go to an investor, raise $10 million because I had a track record and said that, hey, I've you know launched three other companies and sold two of them. Give me a bunch of money. Let me launch 85 things, throw them against the wall and see what sticks. Like I could have done that, right? And so yeah, many brands do that. And I would have got the money. Yeah. I would have done the whole thing. And I, you know, I would have been relaxing. And like, instead I was struggling. I was a new mom. I was nursing a child. My daughter had health issues. I was working out of my house. I had my co-founder coming in every day. I like we were working in my house up until nine people. I think it's important for people like you to say that because there's a lot of young people listening like, oh, well, she's had this success before. She got funding before. She could have got it again. And I like, no, you it was chose all my own money struggle. early yep. on. It was all my own money. I took all the risks myself. You I built, was, instead of building a straw house, you've laid bricks, which I think 100%. Is, it's very, very, very different. Talk to me about when you were working out of your home because we've discussed this before off air. And I think you want to keep your marriage. <laughs> Let's I, talk about that. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I have worked out of my house before, yeah. but I haven't worked out of my house the way you have because it wasn't product based. So it, explain guys. that. And I was and I was out of the house. OK, so imagine Sometimes. this. Here I am. A mom had kids late and was like, OK, I missed the first two years of my son's life. And I'm the first to admit this and acknowledge that. I had sold my company to QVC. I was proving myself. I was traveling back and forth from New York to Pennsylvania on TV, on TV at all hours. I was nursing in the green room. I was bringing my nanny with me. My life was a hot mess, okay? I I don't recommend this. When I had my daughter, it was a conscious decision for me to start a company because I felt like I wanted to be there. I was like, I am doing this, which is psychotically crazy to start your own business and have that stress and that responsibility when you have a newborn and your kids are two years apart. But to me, it was my way of being with my children and being around more because I could do it on my schedule and on my terms. And so I decided to do that and decided to do it out of the house. Everyone assumes that my son is healthy. I thought my daughter was going to be healthy. Later, all these problems started coming in and I ended up extending my stay and working out of my house because she was struggling with some health issues, doctor's appointments and hospitals and therapists. And so, and I live close to all these hospitals on that brace side. So it became core to me and I ended up extending that stay. But what was important for me is that my team supported me so much during this time. They really got in. They were like, we know why she's doing this. We could afford an office. We could afford all these other things because the business took off and it was so amazing for us. But what was so special about it is that I was there for a reason. It was a great way to be cheap, do it at home. I mean, listen, my guest room had boxes up to the ceiling. Every corner of my house, you'd open a closet, things would fall out at you. My husband was going to lose his mind, but he's like, I get why you're doing this. I was doing this because 
I wanted to be a great entrepreneur and spend as much time with my team as possible. And I had to do that in the construct of my house. We then rented the apartment across the hall from me. And so we had people there. Sarah started with us when I literally had an apartment across the hall. And she people joined this company and they worked there despite the environment. And then we moved to the space, which is two blocks away from here. And we're growing out of that space. Oh my God. Boxes, floor to ceiling. That's amazing. I mean, and returns coming to my apartment. Like just imagine, like it was crazy. You should have vlogged all this. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of great pictures and you, I have a lot of great stuff that, I can, Instagram that I can share with you guys. We used to have all our meetings at the cafe that was a block away from my house. People would be like, where's your office? We're like, we're just in the neighborhood. Like we were just like beasts. So it was, it was silly, but it was like real, but we just, we wanted to save every dollar and put it into the product. We want to save every dollar and put it into the brand. And we just wanted to like make it real and like do it the best we could without you know, wasting money. My biggest crusade here, like, well, not my biggest, but one of my crusades is talking to young people about when they start bringing in revenue to their business and having the discipline to not pull it out and put it back in. Because like, if you can, if you can struggle and live the same way you've been living and you could stretch that maybe two years, right into the business as it's growing, it makes such a difference as opposed to just pulling it out because then you're just going to be back in the same situation. You're going to have to find funding for the business again. You're going to be struggling again, but people can't just, they can't do it. Listen, and there's so many entrepreneurs I've seen in my career when the going gets good, their life gets even better. And they just take a little bit of wins and they just take it. You know, I've had a friend in the beauty industry who went bankrupt, who you know, literally was the playbook great success in the product line, saw a lot of revenue, started, you know, buying cars, buying homes, and then just, you know, lost focus on product development. And then when you don't have those consistent wins that she was so used to, it just, every, the bottom falls out from under you. So I I think too, that struggle makes you push harder because you're like, I'm struggling still. I'm still struggling. I'm all about the struggle. Like you're going to hear it from our team. Like, you know, I really live and breathe the ethos of building team and building our office. And like anyone will tell you, like when we first moved to our first office base here, like we didn't have a garbage service. So like we used to rotate taking the garbage out. And I mean, this sounds surreal to you guys, but like we're a brand, we're doing like millions and millions of dollars to sell, but we're all taking rotation on the garbage. And like, I would throw out the garbage every day. And I was like, if I can do it, everyone else can do it. It's just about having ownership over your community space, chipping in together. It's more a mindset than the act of taking out the garbage. I always say, Michael and I have this conversation all the time about how I I never want my ego to get involved with, oh, I can't do that. I I will do every facet of my business. I have no ego about it. And so I expect my entire team to do the same. And I think as a leader, when you lead like that, they start to remove their ego too. Lead by example. Yes. You want someone on your team to do something, then you do the same thing. If you're going to speak ill of your co-workers to another co-worker, they're going to do the same thing. So it works both ways. You have to set the good examples. You set the bad examples. That happened. That comes to bite you in the ass too. Well, the bad examples spread faster than the good, which is, which sucks, but right. it's, but it's true. Like you start gossiping or you start playing favorites in the office or you start creating little like pockets of, you know, segregation in the office. It, it spreads quicker than you would expect. And you just have to, culture is so important. Like when you're building a brand in the early days, like you're going to have wins, you're going to have misses, you're going to get things right, you're going to make mistakes. The culture of celebrating making mistakes is something that when I worked in finance, I just remember some dude was in a presentation and like this banker guy was like, your numbers suck, your numbers suck. I'm going to wipe my ass with your numbers. Like you're just like silly shit like that. Like being like, you know, just you made a mistake and they would just like drill it down. Like you made a mistake, you suck, you're bad, you're a failure. I feel completely the opposite. I feel like you took a risk, 
you made a mistake. Amazing. What did we learn from it? Let's not do that one thing again. Let's like make a different mistake next time. What do you do (laughs) if you have any employees that aren't performing at the level you want them to perform at? This is an ever evolving issue. And I think as your brand grows, the people who took you from A to B are not necessarily people who take you from B to like F. And as you scale, you see different challenges and you need different skill sets. So I think that it's always an honest, open conversation. We give a lot of feedback. We give feedback daily. There's nothing like hidden. It's not like this like pent up thing where you have your performance review and then, oh my God, you're gone. Like no one has ever had that in our organization because it's a very flat, open structure. I think giving daily feedback is important and setting people up for success in their role as the company evolves and as they evolve professionally and personally is important. We were talking about that example you use where that guy's calling out the person in front of everybody else. Like that is, in my opinion, is such a tough thing to do to an employer or someone that's working for you because there's no path to redemption. Because as soon as you put that out there, that that's what you believe, then the rest of the team is going to enforce that. hundred percent. And there's no way for that person then to, to recover, right? Like it's almost like it's better just parting ways at that point. You're the culture carrier. Yep. So if you create that culture, everyone else is going to deem that acceptable. How do you set your mornings up for success? Is there anything you do besides your 20 minutes of meditation in the morning? So the best success of my morning is that my husband wakes up with the kids. <laughs> Note to self when you Sounds have children. Like kind of girl. Most important thing in my marriage and life is that my husband wakes up in the morning. I wake up once a week at 6.45 because I have to. I don't we have a once a week deal. <laughs> we have a once a week deal. And I'm like a year. so bad on my once a morning. He like literally like the alarm goes off and he's like punching me and like, get out of bed, get out of bed. So... I get up and I have a autoimmune condition. So I take my thyroid medicine because I can't do anything before I do that. I have my water that have my ginger water, which is like a nice anti-inflammatory cleanse slash feel good about yourself. Sometimes add some lemon. Usually my daughter hasn't gone to school by the time that I'm up. My son is left for the bus and he's gone. Sometimes I see him on my one day a week. I do see him, but then I hang out with her, spend a little time, chat with her, sometimes drop her to school. I tend to check my inbox and like deal with a lot of WhatsApp messages and everything. I clean out everything before I even get to work. But when I get to work, I actually don't look at my inbox. At that point, when I've entered the office, I'm in my zone of deep work. So I do all the important business decisions that I need to make with a fresh perspective, mind, rested brain that has gotten over eight hours of sleep, hopefully. And I make all of those critical decisions in the morning. If I have to like sit with a team and like really get into the product development pipeline or have to look at like what we're doing in creative or social or what's happening on the e-com front and any sort of new technology we're deploying, anything we're doing in mobile, I do it in the morning. And then I... I have a specific question. So how long are you checking your inbox in the morning and at what time? And then at what time are you arriving to the office for deep work? So our office starts at 930 I usually get there at 9.30. Sometimes I do a meeting before that and then get in a little later. Any out-of-office stuff, sometimes I do do it in the morning so that I can you know, get to the office and not have to leave in the middle of the day. I usually check my inbox for, I would say, an hour to hour and a half or so, depending on the day. So like, You I'll do get that too, don't you? 7.38 and then I just kind of do what I got to do. Well, I try to get a lot of that stuff out of the way because I know when I get into the office, there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to have to deal with, with mostly with the team. 100%. And so I don't want to be stuck in the inbox and I want to be focused on what they need to set their agenda and help set them up for success. And then after that, then I kind of go into my, my deep work. And is there any tactics that you have to wind down besides your meditation? 
A hundred percent. And I, I do not look like my husband is guilty of being on his Instagram feed in bed. And like, it drives me fucking bananas. Like, I'm like, let me tell you something. I don't want that blue light facing in my face. I'm trying to get Zen. I'm trying to like put my head in the space Lord, that I, I need to I go to truly sleep. Hope you're not, I truly hope you're not looking at me. Like I'm the guilty one. First of all, I don't have blue light in the bedroom ever. I hate blue light when I'm winding down. Wait, that's my thing. You, your phone is up at this Lauren. craziest brightness. It's in my face. It's like... I catch you in the middle of the night reading Daily Mail and checking Facebook groups all the time. Don't I will call you out in front of all of the listeners. I actually don't check Daily Mail at night. I like to check Daily Mail when I'm eating lunch. Everyone knows that. And number two, I'm always reading a book, and you're gonna love this against black, not the white, because I don't like blue light. So you are you, didn't know are you that. confirmed that if you put the setting there that it's not blue light? Are you confirmed on that? Yes, it's you know what I'm talking yeah. about. It's the, I don't know if it's confirmed. I'm going to check on that. Mimi, it's confirmed. It's, <laughs> I'm gonna the, find it's that out. the orange light. It's night check. light. Yeah, I believe that you need to be device free for 20 to 30 minutes before you can actually like your body is ready to like go to sleep. So I that's just my own personal thing. I really feel like it helps me. I also shut my phone off at night, and this is like pet peeve of my husband because you know unfortunately his father passed away two years ago, and we got a call in the middle of the night, and he always you know his mom is a widow now and he really wants to like keep the phone on in case she needs anything and like that's fine like my parents have my home number if they need to reach me they call the home phone they can wake up the whole house because people are more likely to wake up before me anyway to answer the phone my phone is off I shut my phone off at my bedside I don't want the radiation from it I don't want anything to do with it I want to be in my zone, getting the rest I need to perform the whole rest of the day. If I'm going to do what I do, I need to be like, I need downtime. I agree with you. You got to try a salt rock light. There will be a window of time. There's like a eight or nine hour window of time where if somebody dies, I will not know about it because my phone will be off. I mean, I don't have a home phone. No, I told my dad, I said, I don't care if everyone got murdered. Don't call me. My phone's off. I, I really believe that I can't rest. Like one thing is like, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and like living in New York, even though like I live, you know, in an area where you would not have a lot of noise, I still like hear the sights and sound of the city. And like, if for some reason I wake up in the middle of the night, like I refuse to check my phone. I will not check my phone. I don't care if I have to go to the bathroom or whatever I have to do. I have to drink a glass of water. I'm thirsty. I do not check my phone because I believe it disrupts like my mental space and in I the morning need, like, too. The best time. thing you could get to read at night if you want to read at night is the Kindle because the Kindle just has the basic like black and gray right. newspaper background. It has the little light that comes with it. Not your phone. Look Anyways. at you giving advice when your phone's turned up to <laughs> my eight million turns watts. Phone up. I'm like, turn that stuff no. your and then direction. He turns it towards me, and I'm like, is this like? I also am thinking, is this Where giving is me Kindle? pigmentation? But like, I'm not gonna lie, I get all my social media news from him because he like doesn't follow a ton of people, and everyone he follows are all people that he's intimately friends with. So if I really need to know what's going on in the world with our friend circle, I ask him because he's following everyone who knows what's going on. My feed is like, you know, people I work with, friends influencers like I'm looking at everything and so like I'm missing what's going on in the social circle so he keeps me up that's how I am I use my my mediums for business so when it's off I want to turn it off right what is the most valuable purchase that you've made in the last year and value I mean that brings you value that's under a hundred dollars oh my god 
this is a good so like some examples like i told you about my salt rock nightlight like that's one that i absolutely love i'm obsessed with that another one is i got the book light you know that little book light that we all had in seventh grade i was i used to try to sneak reading Um, it's my book light that is so that's a good one though yeah i'm trying to think of she uses that that salt rock have you ever seen that episode of seinfeld when the guy opens the chicken store across from kramer's and it's like the big red light that's what i feel like when i'm trying to go to bed at night you need to turn that thing down i as long as it's orange light i don't care you can take your blue light we're not meant to sleep in orange light yes we are yes we are i have i have actually gotten something for my kids that's changed my life but it's actually changed my mental piece so i'll share so i got my kids a traffic light alarm clock okay so it has green yellow and red lights and i set it so at 6 30 it gets set to red so like i put them to bed and i have blackout blinds and they go to sleep and they're not allowed to like leave the room. So they're done and they're over. And then having them on a schedule makes my life more structured. So if I have to get back on email or I have to go to a work event, like I know I've spent my quality time with them until they've gone to bed. And now I have all this time to do what I have to do in my life. And then in the morning, it goes off at 645 green. They can come out and they can do what they need to do. On the weekend, we set it to 730. We're like, mommy doesn't function before 730 a.m. Don't come visit me. A fucking traffic <laughs> light for your kids. Stop. You're not allowed to go anywhere. Go. This is like my like so dream. Kids do really well with rules and like structure. And my son is like, if the light, he tells me, he's like, mom, if the light is not green, because they can't like read time when they're young. Like it's like they can see the light and get that the message. So when they couldn't actually read time, it was so helpful because they knew red, I have to be in bed and like green, I'm allowed to go to mommy and daddy's room. And if you have to go to the bathroom, you're allowed to go. So What's like yellow? go What's anytime. Yellow? yellow is like wind down time, I think. And okay. it's like, it just like winds down half an hour before it turns green or yellow. So it's like, if it's about to turn green 30 minutes before, I think it turns yellow, like something like that. I, I don't sleep in the room, so I don't know. But my son, like I told him, I'm like, if you have to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, you come back in, but like, don't come to my room. <laughs> Before I we, am. I want that for my kids. I want one in every room. In fact, let's put one in your room. So. Before we wrap this, what's a book, podcast, resource that you could recommend to the audience? It could be anything on any subject that just brought you value. You think it bring value to others. Oh my God. I listen to so many podcasts. I love Mom Brain by my friend Daphne Oz and Hilaria Baldwin. And I also love listening to The Skim every day. I love the two girls who started The Skim. And I think that just catching up on that news in my ears and listening to it instead of having to read when I'm I'm reading all day at work. I'd like to like be caught up to date on the news on my train ride home. Where can everyone find you? Pimp yourself out. Tell us where to find Wander Beauty and tell us before you go the one product that you would start with. If you were, if you're looking on the site, what's the one product you need? I would say if there's one thing you need, I would say get into our complexion because I think that adding a little concealer, adding a little bit of foundation, like it just erases all imperfections and like makes you feel flawless and beautiful and social media that we live in. Everyone could use a little boost in the complexion area. We make amazing complexion products. So the nude illusion foundation you use, I wear it in medium. You can double multitask it, use it as concealer, use it as foundation, mix it with moisturizer, make it a tinted moisturizer, make it whatever you want. I like it during the day. And then I use it on a damp beauty blender with a little bit of your moisturizer with the foundation, just a little bit. And it gives you like this very pretty blurred, but not cakey look. Totally. Because it covers everything. It feels like nothing. And I don't like the feeling of makeup on my face. And you can do it on the back of an Uber, which is... Helpful. Ideal. And then for me personally, the ride or die, our fast lane instant facial. Can't wait I to cannot try that. live without this. This has literally changed my skin in such a meaningful way. It's 
an instant facial, you put it on. Initially, you start for like five minutes to see how you do with it. I'm up to like 25 minutes. Sometimes I'm like, want to push the 30. It's 10% AHA. It's going to take off all of your dead skin cells because alpha hydroxy acid helps you know, cell turnover. You need like a pink light in your son's room. That means it's time to go put the facial on mommy and go back to bed. They really love it. And then 2% BHA, which is amazing for clogged and enlarged pores and any sort of acne. I love it. Changed my skin in an incredible way. I literally, I do it every Sunday. I sometimes do it in midweek also. I've got my husband on it too. Michael needs to try it. Michael needs to try it. My husband does it on his nose and he's like, this is genius. Like this is amazing. He's so excited about it. I'm like, to have him so excited about it is amazing. I think also we're really well known for our baggage claim gold eye masks. So that's like an amazing, it's basically coffee for your eyes. I put that in the fridge and then I put it in in the morning. Wakes you up, makes you feel look amazing. Where can everyone find you? At D Gugnani. That's D-G-U-G-N-A-N-I. And then our brand handle is at Wander underscore beauty. I love it. And then it's wanderbeauty.com. Yes, wanderbeauty.com. Thank you for taking the time to come on. Thank you for having me. The the streetlight tip. I'll be implementing that. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to get, we're going to, we're going to each get one for each other. (laughs) And when you have kids, I'm going to get them for you. Oh, we can't wait. (laughs) Cannot wait. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Guys, have I got a hot tip for you. Wander Beauty is offering all TSC him and her listeners 20% off site-wide. All you have to do is enter code SKINNY at checkout. Here's the deal. I would start with the Nude Illusion Liquid Foundation, okay? The application is insane. It's like this stick with a little blender at the tip of it. You dip it in the foundation and you can put it on your face in strategic areas. So I put it on my brown mustache, my pigmentation, my eye bags, and it gives you this look of just clear skin, but it doesn't look, it looks like skin skin. You know what I mean? I mixed it with some caffeinated sunscreen, wore it the whole day, and I was good to go. I really like the coverage on this. So that's That's the one I would start with if I were you. Anyways, they're doing 20% off site-wide. All you have to do is enter code SKINNY at checkout. Enjoy. All right. Who wants to try some Wander Beauty products? One of you will win from this episode some Wander Beauty products and some TSC swag. All you have to do is tell us your favorite part of this podcast on my latest Instagram at the Skinny Confidential and tag a friend. Super easy. We'll pick one of you. We'll drop into your DMs and send you some Wander Beauty goodies and TSC sparkly goodness. As always, spread the word, tell your friends, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and we'll see you on Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning space offering more than 20,000 courses. I'm currently using the platform to learn a bunch of different skills that we have talked about many times on this show. This is a tool for brands and individuals to acquire new skills or take novice skills to an expert level. Think of it as the Netflix for learning skills online. So join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Skinny Confidential him and her listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash TSC to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash TSC.